Hello, passengers of Flight 1729 to Denver. This is your captain speaking. We should be landing in the next 35 to 40 minutes. The weather in Denver right now is a balmy 78 degrees, and I just saw today's wordle in two guesses. It's index. I-N-D-E-X. Welcome to OneWord.com's podcast. Each episode revolves around one word. Today's word is flight. All right. Three, two, one. Go. Flight is something that human beings have tried to get their hands around forever. We've seen birds, we've seen bugs, we've seen bats, we've even seen squirrels fly. But uh, the best that a man could do is flap his arms and fall. I turn up all my Wi-Fi, all my devices, and it's kind of like quiet for however long I'm in the air. There's that little mark on the window from where your forehead was pressed up against it. Rivers sprawl like veins across the earth. There's those uh, hay fields or whatever that are like these perfect circles. And sometimes you can see the shadow of the plane moving across the landscape, in and out of puffy cotton clouds. And for all I know, there's probably a lot of bad stuff going on down there, but it's like everything is beautiful if you look at it from far enough away. The first flight mankind was ever able to experience in a heavier-than-air flying machine was actually only witnessed by a few people. There's two brothers, Orville and Wilbur Wright, a few local uh, sailors, lifeguards on the beach, Outer Banks in North Carolina, where they were conducting their experiments on manned flight. So there's only a few people there to actually eyewitness it. And um, there's only one photograph, which they weren't even sure who would work. Because back then, a photo machine was almost as new as a flying machine, which didn't quite exist. So the Wright brothers, they took a few flights, like four flights, each one longer than the next. The first one was like 120 feet or something. And then the machine broke. Apparently, they crashed it, and uh, a sandstorm came and blew it away. So, the first flight, only witnessed by a few people, and the first flying machine was destroyed in a force majeure. So uncontrollable, they they could not rescue the first flying machine. When they got back to uh, the mainland and said, Hey, we built the flying machine and it worked. They're like, yeah, right, and they blew away the sandstorm. So they had to rebuild a flying machine and go and do it again. It's an amazing story. My license plate says first in flight because I'm from North Carolina. And because the Wright brothers took their first flight in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. However, if you live in Ohio, you might have a license plate that says birthplace of aviation. Because the Wright Brothers was born in Dayton, Ohio. So there's currently two states as feuding about where the origin of flight occurred. And 
if you're Ohio, you are bragging about your state's ability to produce ingenuity in the form of human beings. And if you are North Carolina, you're bragging about the natural conditions of the environment in which your state abides. And I mean, both are valid claims. Next question. Normally, I like to see the word and then I, like a story from my life comes to mind. But this time, I just feel like bouncing off that word flight. It's like such a satisfying thing to say. The first thing that comes to my mind is the show Flight of the Concords, which made me laugh so hard the first two seasons. Wowzers. Uh, I think of when like a whole bunch of birds all drop out of the sky at the same time. Man, I mean, I know that's not like a, a good flight. I think about uh, like missing flights like that Malaysian Airlines 370 and how Everyone has all these conspiracy theories about it. Um, oh, like a flight of beer. There's another good one, man. A lot of good memories come up from a flight of beer. I'm currently dealing with a sore throat, so I am at the moment enjoying a flight of lozenges and uh, throat spray. So that's delightful. I never knew there was anything other than airplane flights until I went to Disney World. If you go to Disney World in Orlando, they've expanded themselves to an entire unique shopping village outside of the parks called Disney Springs. It's here you'll find the Coca-Cola store with the rooftop bar. And at that bar, you can order a flight of up to 16 different international Coca-Cola beverages from various countries around the world. I love options and new things, so I had to try it. And it was there while I was enjoying my first flight ever of drinks and sampling drinks that were normal to the people of Tanzania, China, Panama, Malawi, India, Romania, Indonesia, Italy, Georgia, Spain, Peru, Costa Rica, Germany, and more, that I had one of those moments when you realize how much we can just think we're the center of the world when in actuality so much is happening in places that we may rarely even think about. With people living their own normal lives, drinking their own normal sodas, likely also not thinking about us. It was a neat experience worth the $16 and I feel like flights should be offered everywhere, whether it's a flight of wine, a flight of kombucha, a flight of pastas, perhaps a flight of salsas or moles. Um, yeah, I think it's just the right thing to do. Like if businesses really want to put themselves out there in a positive way, they should probably make sure they have flights of everything on their menu. Because who doesn't like to have options? You tell me one person. Welcome to Johnny's Tap Room. We currently have 18 beers on tap. And before you ask, no, we do not do flights. Johnny, don't do flights. Okay, you can read the sign. Can't read that. You can read my pelvic tattoo. It says the same thing. Johnny, don't do flights. I'm not about to sit back here and pour you two tablespoons each of these fine craft beers and try to balance them on some sort of wooden paddle. If you want to taste a beer, then you can order that beer at full price and then you can taste it all you want. Where are you going? The most incredible dreams are dreams of flight. That's the only way we've ever really known flight as a species is through dreaming it for thousands and thousands of years. We dreamt about flying and it feels incredible. We've all had flying dreams, you know, a hell of a lot better than those falling dreams. They say that like every person on the planet will have certain dreams, right? Like one of them is like losing teeth or breathing underwater or flight. And 
that flight one always kind of stuck with me because to this day, I have not had a dream about flying. And I don't know, I kind of feel bummed out because I feel like if this is something that everyone experiences, why haven't I experienced it yet? So, I mean, I guess the closest thing I have experienced to that when dreaming was when I used to dream about skateboarding when I was a kid. I think I probably skateboarded like, no joke, like between like five and eight hours a day. It was literally like as soon as I had any free time, it was all I did. So anyway, so needless to say, it was definitely on my mind and I would often have dreams about it. And when I would have a dream about skateboarding, it's like I would ollie, which is like, you know, jumping and... As soon as I would lift off, suddenly I'd like float like it was zero gravity. It's like if anyone had played Tony Hawk, it was like that in my dream. And those dreams are freaking awesome. So I guess I take it back. I think maybe I have had a dream about flying. As someone who loves to travel, flight is a very special word to me. I like to travel by many means. Automobile, plane, train, boat, foot, bike, scooter, pogo stick. I actually tried to pogo stick to work one day and I pretty much just bounced in place. When I was in my mid-twenties, I went on this youth group trip to Israel. And on the flight there, I happened to be sat between somebody from my group and a random guy who happened to be Israeli but lived in L.A. and was flying to Israel to visit friends and family. He and I ended up striking up conversation at the beginning of the flight and we totally hit it off. And we ended up basically just hanging out with each other the entire 15-hour flight. We never went to sleep like everyone else did around us. We just hung out and we were laughing and just like getting to know each other and downloading each other on everything we had missed in our lives prior to meeting. And I just felt this like, this kinship, this intimacy with him. And it wasn't romantic. It's just this really cool chance encounter. And we ended up keeping in touch. Um, He will just always be so special to me in my heart. Like he's my forever friend. I felt like I was supposed to know him. And I love that origin story of our friendship. It had Hallmark movie Meet Cute written all over it. I was flying home from New York to LA when a storm got in the way and they diverted us to Chicago for the night. It took forever for them to process vouchers, for us to go to a sad little hotel, on the outskirts of town, and then we had to wait for a cab to take us to the outskirts. At the crack of dawn the next day, I rode back to the airport with my cab buddy from the night before, an elderly Jewish man from Staten Island. He and I sat waiting at the gate together, and we'd take turns watching each other's luggage when one of us needed a snack or to use the restroom. We ended up sitting next to each other on the plane home, and he was telling me about his life on Staten Island, about his photo album business, and about playing checkers with his friends every weekend. He explained that everyone in his life was Jewish, and it wasn't by choice, but more about where he lived in his neighborhood. Then he 
kind of gave me a sideways glance. And he said, yes, everyone I know is Jewish. All my friends are Jewish. But I do make an exception for lovers. Friends, I almost dropped my complimentary peanuts. It was all I could do to divert the conversation until we landed at LAX. We said goodbye. I think we might have exchanged emails. But I knew I wasn't going to pursue this proposition. And sometimes I wondered, did I miss my chance? Could I have been the magnetic self-stick photo album queen of Staten Island? The thing that's probably the most frustrating on a flight is that you often start shows or movies and you never finish them. Like, is it Victor Christina Barcelona or something like that? It's just become a running joke. We will start it on our flight and then we never finish it because the flight ends before the film ends or we fall asleep. So that's a pretty classic uh, in-flight experience. If I ever ran for um, like CEO or president of an airline, it would be one of my platforms. I would require that the movie Airplane is shown on every in-flight device. That movie Flight with Denzel Washington. I'm just, I'm confused about that movie's messaging. I liked the movie, but in the beginning of the film, he he's drinking on a flight and then miraculously, despite being drunk, performs some like crazy midair maneuver and he saves all the passengers on board his flight. But in the ensuing investigation of the event and his defense team basically solves it. They basically like pin it on one of the uh, flight attendants and all Denzel has to do is just go to court and testify that he did not drink that alcohol, but he can't even do that because the night before he gets so drunk, his defense team calls his Coke dealer played by John Goodman. They call his Coke dealer who shows up and he's like, cool. He's like, that's why I'm confused. Like he's like a cool guy. And he's like a hero because he comes by and he delivers enough coke to Denzel Washington that he can like go to court. And I'm just, I, what what are you trying to say, Flight, the movie? Are you trying to say that if you're handsome enough and if you're skilled enough at your work that it is okay to drink on the job? Because don't worry, if you drink too much, uh, you can always just do a bunch of coke. Flying in and out of Alaska is always an experience, especially if your flight involves travel to a more remote location. In that case, you're, you, you can often fly on a bush plane. And if you've never flown on a bush plane, I highly recommend it. Although if you're afraid of flying, I wouldn't recommend it without maybe talking to a therapist. But one thing that happened one time is I had arrived in Anchorage and then the flights were just canceled because of the weather. And I was traveling with a ham um, because I really like this one brand of ham and they don't have it up there. And so it's just my, my carry on. I even bought a ham bag. I call it a ham bag instead of a handbag. And the people at Alaska Airlines had been awesome. They let me store the ham in their employee refrigerator because I had to stay at hotels and the hotels didn't have refrigerators that were big enough for the ham and I couldn't put it outside because wildlife would eat it. So I retrieved my ham from Alaska Airlines and went to go board my flight and it was canceled yet again. And so this time I decided I'm going to take my chance with the bush plane. So I went to this one uh, airline and I just said, hey, like, what are your crash rates? And they're like, they're not too bad. So I said, OK, I'm going to fly with you. So I had to go find a box and wrap up my hand because on the bush planes, you can't even wear a fanny pack. 
Like there's so limited space. And I had to check the ham. Before I got on the plane, I watched them getting it ready for flight. And they just would get on a ladder and just use a broom to sweep the lights off. We finally took off, but we really didn't take off. We just left the gate and then we did a circle and we came back and they said, uh, we're having some engine difficulties, so please hold tight. We are going to address that and get back in the air. And that's what they did. And that's what you do when you fly a bush plane. You just take your chances. And me and the ham arrived safely at our destination without incident. I spent a lot of time on airplanes, especially when I was a kid, because um, every summer I would go see my family who was in France and spend a lot of time with my grandma. So basically my parents would like dump me at my grandma's house for the summer in France in this tiny little fishing village, which it really wasn't a bad deal at all. Um, I feel very, very honored to have been able to have that experience. But the airplane to me was was always awesome. Like I loved it. It was like a portal that would take me from one world to the next. And a lot of times I'd fly by myself when I was a kid and they just got to be very familiar. And it's like, I like the process of like going through like security and it make me like excited because I love getting on the plane, figuring out where I was sitting. Like, was I by, you know, one of the side seats around the middle aisle and get myself situated and kind of sit down for the long haul. And you're kind of like, you're outside of the real world. Like you're in this kind of like pseudo holding zone where you didn't have access to everything, right? You're literally not on the ground. Um, you're kind of like in this weird like subculture where people bring you stuff on drink carts and things like that. We could save a lot of money on airfare if we just eliminated food on airplanes. Hear me out. The food, is it really necessary? Must you constantly be presented with food? Can you really not make it the duration of a domestic continental U.S. flight? Maybe... Our ancestors who suffered through the Great Depression and went six days without eating would be disappointed in you if they knew you can't make it six hours without shoving food in your fat face. Think about it. Flight attendants, what do they do? The main thing they do is push that cart up and down the aisles. That cart, by the way, is barely narrower than the aisles themselves. So if your elbow is over the armrest, even a centimeter, you're going to get hit hard in the funny bone and you're going to get some passive aggressive remark from a flight attendant whoopsie daisy elbows in i want to be like listen up you are expendable we don't actually need you if we just banded together and realized we're stronger than we think we are we don't constantly need to graze like cattle we could fire all of you pass the savings on to the customer if i had my own airlines it'd be no food airlines there's only one rule at no food airlines that's no food there's, well, there's another rule. No food is the number one rule. Number two, no terrorists. Those are the rules. The airplane is only 120 years old as an invention. So it's incredible. Flights have changed the entire world. Flights have made the world a smaller place. Now people can go further, faster, and uh, it's incredible. It's interesting to see how travel by air has evolved over the years. The manner in which people fly is quite different. Back in the day, people would get all dressed up. And then now what I noticed is that people tend to dress more comfortably for the flight. I once was at an airport and I overheard someone talking to their companion and they said to them, are you wearing silk? And she said, 
Well, of course, I always travel in silk. And I felt like that was something I'd like to try. So I have flown in silk. It's quite remarkable. Highly recommend it. I've also flown in elastic waist pants that are cotton or fleece. Also quite good. I think you could probably pair the elastic waist pants with a nice silk top and really just hit the mark everywhere. Or for a flight pun, I think that look would really take off. Uh, Flight risk, that's a good one. When people can't even be out of jail because they're just going to disappear. That's that's kind of cool if you're a flight risk. A lot of people are a flight risk, like they shouldn't probably fly, or they're just like a flight risk on ground, or they could just be flighty. Like, well, I don't know if I would plan anything with them. My name's Neil. I'm a TSA agent. I do inspections out of Charlotte International. People always ask me, what's the weirdest thing you've ever found in an inspection? I think they're expecting me to say vibrator, but that's not true. I see a dozen vibrators every day. The weirdest thing I ever saw was I opened this guy's bag and he had a DVD copy of Just Go With It with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. But he had cut out the picture of Jennifer Aniston's face on the cover and he had put his face in it. So it's the cover of Just Go With It and it's Adam Sandler like looking all lovey-dovey with this guy, this passenger. I just looked at the cover that he had jerry-rigged together using some masking tape. And I looked up at his face and I looked back down at the cover and I just put the DVD back in the bag and I proceeded with the inspection. I let him go on his merry way. I might work for TSA, but I'm not a tyrant. And if you want to customize the covers of your DVD boxes to make it look like you and Adam Sandler have some sort of romance, then that's your right as an American. One of the things I like to do on the plane is play the in-flight games. I think it's fun to see who else is playing because it shows your seat. So it's good to see like other people who like to play, for example, word games. And then you can go to the bathroom and you're like, that's who 24E is. Not only are they smart, they're, they're good looking. It would be fun, I think, if there was a karaoke option, because I believe it, a lot of people would like to hear some really fine songs sung badly. Like, for example, right now, because I'm sick, I would probably, uh, maybe I could be a singer called Fleetwood Hack. You think about a superpower, the first thing you think about is, oh, I'd like to fly. I mean, even if you had to choose between teleportation, which is instantly getting somewhere, you know, snapping your finger, bam, and you're there without ever moving. Flight is is just cooler. It's like freer. It's freedom, you know? Like, maybe it takes more work, but uh, I think, you know, like they say, it's the journey, right? If you just teleport there, then there is no journey. But taking flight is always just a, a awe-inducing experience, even when you're on an airplane and the coach section with no leg room. Big thanks to everyone who helped get this episode off the ground. David at Barton Smart Trivia. Liz in Salt Lake City. Kat and Steven in Los Angeles. 
Danielle in Ashburn, Virginia, Lori in the Inland Empire, Mia in Austin, Texas, Nick in Redondo Beach, and Scott in San Jose. To be a part of a future episode, go to podcast.oneword.com. Until next time. Word up. Hey, has this ever happened to you? You land on the tarmac and all of these people are getting notifications on their phones. Everyone is getting notifications except you. You're the only one that doesn't seem to have a single notification, even though you were on a whole flight for four hours. And you, you, when you land, all the people around you are making phone calls like people are missing them already. They need their input for poor meetings. Has this ever happened to you? If so, you can call me, your friend David. I'm available at 310-728-1889. You can call up David and we can pretend like we have a very important meeting or that you're expected to be at a party. I'll pretend that you're a rock star and that I hired you to be at my daughter's wedding. I'll pretend to have any conversation you want to have. Call me, David, your friend at 219-701-6454. That's me, your friend David. The next time you find yourself feeling lonely on a plane and everybody around you is getting notifications and making phone calls and you don't have anybody, call your friend David at 614-578-8777.